Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome to Sports Day. Nice to have your company, me, Carl Langdon and Will Schofield with you tonight. And there's a fair bit bubbling around in the world of sports news. And Oliver Peterson asked me in the little promo when I spoke to him earlier this afternoon as to whether Ross Lyon has got the job there at uh, the St Kilda Football Club. If you listen to a few of those old St Kilda players, I tried to get Brendan Julian on the... Uh, Brendan Julian. Brendan Julian. <laughs> yeah, that's wow, there's the old... Well, the yeah, I was going to talk some cricket with him, but uh, <laughs> B, Brendan Goddard is the man who I meant to say then, uh, two Brendans that we tried to hunt down today. Neither of them were available, but that's okay. But um, BJ is one of these guys that has been very open and honest in that he thinks that uh, Ross Lyon to St Kilda would be a good idea, and he thinks that very quickly he would expect to see results. I've come around to the fact that I don't think it matters who the coach of St Kilda is, Carl. I had a bit of a deep dive into their list, mm-hmm. right, St Kilda. I think they've got... Uh, some elements to their side, which could make them a very good side. Rowan Marshall could be one of the best ruckmen in the comp, given Paddy Ryder's departure. Uh, Big King down in the forward line. If he gets his goal kicking right, he could be the best forward in the whole competition in the next 10 years. Jack Steele in the middle. Uh, Jack Sinclair, Callum Wilkie, uh, Dougal Howard back there. Gresham running around. They've got a good team that haven't been performing. So I would say, look, you can say it's on the coach and you're not motivating them, not enough leadership, blah, blah, blah. I think it's actually on the playing list. I think they have the list. They need to, they need to, you know, do up their shoelaces and toughen up a little bit and go, right, this is the situation we're in. How about we get down to business and improve? They, they need to get better as a playing list. And if it's Ross Lyon, if it's Lenny Hayes, if it's Harvey, if it's Jamie Graham, if it's Ash Hanson, it doesn't matter who it is. They get, the, the players are going to have to put it on themselves, I think. So the St Kilda Footy Club, as much as it's been a little bit disrupted from an administration point of view and coaches coming in and out, in the end it comes down to the players, Carl. You know that. It's yeah, I, look, I, I know that. And, and look, what I saw from uh, the St Kilda Football Club midway through the year is I thought they were going to finish top four because I was eight and three. They were flying. Yes. But then the back end of the season, they just fell apart. So did St Kilda on board and uh, administration. They gave Brett Ratton a two-year contract, he said. So, well, they gave him the contract at the time when they were flying. And then all of a sudden things go pear-shaped. Whether everyone just fell into a comfort zone is probably a way to look at it, and things have turned out where they have. One thing is, though, that we know about Jeff Walsh is he's got a track record. He got David Teague, he got David Noble, now he's got Brett Ratton. So if Jeff Walsh is going to come and do a football review at your football department, (laughs) the coach has got to watch his back. I agree, mate. It's it's a strange course of events. I think it looks like Ross Lyon is going to be the coach. 
Um, he hasn't gone and interviewed with any other clubs, has he? But this time he's interested. And well, he had to do a PowerPoint presentation. He doesn't have one of those. Don't bring so. up those again. There's, uh, a, there's a fair bit going on in in sponsorship land and a few sports at the moment. Well, yeah, and look, I've brought in and I had to print them all off, uh, all of the the press releases that I woke up to this morning because obviously, you know, we've we've got a situation here, mate, where if it's 6 a.m. in Perth, it's already 9 a.m. on the east coast. So 10 hour daylight savings. Well, 6:27. This oh. came through at 6. 27 our time this morning yes. uh, and it's that Pat Cummins had been chosen to captain the Australian men's one day side. I'd, I'd like to hear from people as to whether they think that's a good idea because look there was a lot of our listeners going back to when Justin Langer was uh, left out of the Australian cricket uh, team as dethroned. their senior coach dethroned. call it dethroned if you like essentially because of the New South Wales click and the New South Wales clique is the senior group of New South Wales players, which includes Pat Cummins, it includes David Warner, and it includes a number of others. So there was a lot of dislike around Pat Cummins. Still is, I think. And so I just wonder whether that's now gone away, because he's the captain of our test team. Now, when our test team started to perform okay, a few of those people might have changed their view. One double three eight eighty two. I'd love to hear from you tonight. Uh, watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports, by the way. There's been a few developments there too. Netherlands winning their second game today. But just back to Pat Cummins. So then it was revealed on the back of the scenario where he is appointed as the captain of our one-day side that he didn't have anything to do with the situation regarding the uh, the the future of Alinta being a corporate partner of Australian cricket. Now, the deal is going to end, amicably, they say, in June, I think, of 2023. But then it was revealed that Pat Cummins is part of a, a group that uh, promoted to, to cricket clubs, that uh, they needed to go to solar energy, 4,000 cricket clubs, and this is all around a better future. You, you can't tell me that Pat Cummins hasn't had anything to do with this. This is a direct quote from Pat Cummins. I think the most obvious front-of-mind things you can see is who we partner with, talking about the Australian cricket team. So I hope that when we think of who we want to align with, who we want to invite into being part of cricket, I hope climate is a real priority. So clearly it's a big issue for... Uh, Pat Cummins, which is a good thing, right? I mean, he stands for something. He he, he stands to uh, benefit the nation. He looks at a bigger thing than cricket. But he is also the captain of the cricket team and thus the leader of cricket throughout Australia, not just the cricket team, but every element of cricket throughout the nation. He is the, the cornerstone of it, right? So what he says goes. Well, yeah, that's fine. But is it okay for them to have a, a beer sponsor on their shirt? Does he drink beer? And does he see all the issues that that causes well, in society? I would, back, and, I would back it up and say if he's going to be kicking and screaming about the carbon footprint that yeah. perhaps the Linter has something to do with, um, I think Tom Rockcliffe, a former um, uh, AFL opponent of mine, said it quite well. Happy to see Pat's carbon footprint compared to any standard Aussie. Flights all around the world, stadium lights he plays under, paid millions of dollars. I guess he doesn't charge his phone either. Pat... If you're that concerned about the climate, stop all the benefits you get right now. What do you think about that, Carl? Yeah, well, I wholeheartedly agree. And Pat Cummins has openly said, and I quote, he will not feature in any promotional material for Alinta Energy during the final year of its multi-million dollar sponsorship deal with Cricket Australia. Now, this just goes on from the story that broke yesterday with regard to Netball Australia and uh, our basketballs. Now, uh, sorry, our netballers, they've been, they've been uh, gagged today, but... You've 
got to take into consideration the $15 million that uh, the Hancocks have invested into the sport. Now, it goes more than just to the national level. This is something that goes to build and grow the game grassroots. at community and grassroots level. Yeah. Now, I'm not so sure that these girls would have been back to the grassroots for a little while whilst they do some great promotional and community work. They may not have seen the whole deal and what that means to the game of netball, which subsequently meant that by extension of that, the Roy Hill Partnership, which is a, a Gina Reinhardt organisation, is heavily committed into their financial support of our West Coast fever. And Simone Hansen, who's the CEO there, said today, the current situation between Netball Australia and Hancock prospecting is concerning and disappointing. Uh, we implore all parties to work together to resolve this situation immediately to, con uh, to ensure that the future of netball at all levels in this country m remains strong. Unfortunately, what we've got here... And I can see it only getting worse, Will, with what we are, I think, starting to see unfold in a number of areas in sport is that politics and sport was an unhappy marriage, but I, I feel that it's going to be even more unhappy as time goes along. I actually think what we're seeing is uh, player empowerment, which is a good thing in most areas, right? You, you do want to hear more from players. You want them to take the narrative of some of the media. You want them to give more access. We want the more insight. We're in the media, Carl. Of course we want that. But the empowerment uh, in this regard, it's not about their pay packets. Like you said, the $15 million to netball isn't going into the girls who plays pockets. It's about grassroots netball and cricket. The money that Alinta's put into behind the cricket team isn't going into Pat Cummins's pocket, even though that's his objection to it. It's going into cricketers all around the country. And to have players, individual players who have specific issues with, I just don't think you can please everybody in this situation. You're not going to be able to have a sponsor that ticks every single box. I mean, I would say companies try, but you probably find an issue for anyone in any industry in, in, you know, just, not just sports. So I think that's the big problem. Players, players are paid the big bucks to entertain, not to be picking and choosing their sponsors. Yeah, that's what I want to see. I just want to see the entertainment side and not get involved in the politics side of that. Just leave those to, uh, the ones that are sitting in the, in the offices that don't really like stones being thrown at them because when they start getting stones thrown at them, we try to get Nick Hockley on the program today. Nah, we can't talk to you today. Why? Well, because they didn't want to throw any more petrol on the fire. Well, how about just have a chat about it? Well, that's what we'd like to do. Just just have a nice general chat, nice, you know, up front. Let's not beat around the bush. Anyway, one double three out of two. Love to hear from you where you sit on that uh, sport and politics, uh, the way that you've seen that unfold. If you want to have a dig, that's my dig uh, to kick us off tonight. Don't dig blind. Uh, check before you dig every single time. One double three eight eighty two is our number. You can join us after the break. It's seventeen after six. Sports day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. It is dig night. Uh, don't dig blind. Lodge a free uh, before well before you dig. Lodge a free dial before you dig inquiry every single time. That's uh, what you need to do. Uh, let's go through a little bit of the other news that has unfolded today. So Pat Cummins uh, to lead the Aussie ODI side. Uh, the Alinta partnership is going to end at the middle of next year. Steve Smith now he's out of our World Cup. And that's been revealed. Tim David has been confirmed as uh, being part of that team to take on New Zealand. That'll happen next Saturday night uh, up at the SCG. A few people were surprised by that, Scoey, but um, I don't reckon you'd be too surprised, would you? Well, would you? Uh, it's a little 
It's a little strange what the Australian selectors have been. I, I can't actually figure out what they're trying to do. They're throwing Tim David around the order. Steve Smith's been sitting around having a rest. Pat Cummins was coming out today, so he'll be having a rest in the one-day team. I know that's not T20 related, but he's having a rest when he's required. I'm not sure what's happening with the selectors at the moment. Yeah, it seems like they're going back to a little bit of uh, the rotation policy, which was introduced some like time that. ago. That doesn't seem that doesn't seem like the right thing to do at national level, I wouldn't have thought. No, probably not. Uh, in the cricket today, uh, WA Stumps have been able to put on a nice score, 466. Uh, Darcy Short, 87 of 118 balls, came in at number eight. Uh, that was after Cam Bancroft, who we spoke to last night, posted 100 yesterday. Sam Whiteman, an opening partnership with him, hit 82. Uh, Hilton Cartwright finished up with 70. But uh, the response has been pretty good from Victoria. Pretty flat deck, one for 124. Marcus Harris is in the pavilion, 67 not out. And Will Pekofsky, he should have been out LBW. There was one that was on the on the brink earlier today. I'm not sure if uh, you've seen it, listeners, but uh, if you've had a little bit of a look at that online, then tell me what you think. But Will Pekofsky, luckily, only went on to make 30. But I reckon he was absolutely plum LBW earlier today. Text has just come in, Carl, and I'd like to extend this to our listeners. Um, do you think the WA crowd will boo Cummings um, the next Australian text uh, match Tuesday night at Optus? Getting rid of Justin Langer, getting rid of Alinta Gas, which is West Australian. Who's next? Do you think... Cummins and the Australian team will get booed here in Perth. One double three eight eighty two. Well, that's uh, probably a pretty good point uh, that you make. Uh, Stumps uh, on day one, New South Wales and Queensland, nine for two forty six. It was Jilks and Abbott who came in at uh, number six and seven, made seventy two and sixty two respectively. So that's one hundred and thirty four of the two hundred and forty six right there. Nine for two forty six. New South Wales against Queensland swept and took three for fifty three. And in the other game between South Australia and Tasmania, Tassie in the box seat. Uh, day to go, two twenty seven for South Australia in the first innings. Tassie responded with 245. They rolled South Australia for 252 in Tasmania. None for 104. Uh, so they are sitting really strongly in a position there. 133-882 is our number. Um, some delistings today in the AFL, Will. Now, we saw Jared Leanett be delisted. He's 28 years of age. Uh, he is... Essentially the last list change at the Saints. So that means they'll have picks 9, 28, 32 and 47 heading into the 2022 national draft. Essendon today, Cody Brand, a bloke I didn't know much about, but Braden Ham and Alec Waterman was a little bit of a surprise. 22 games, 27 goals. Um, did a reasonable job in the few games that he played. Yeah, he did. Um, I mean, there's, I played with him at West Coast. He was a teammate of mine. Um, he obviously comes back to the waffle, has a, has a great couple of seasons with Claremont and really proves himself to be at the level, does well at Essendon, and he'll probably come back and add to a Claremont team that may, uh, go one step further in the waffle. I mean, there's been some decently good players delisted over the period, Carl. I wonder how many get a second chance. Shane Savage is out the door at St Kilda. Majak Dor, um, he's no longer with uh, North Melbourne. That was last year, would you believe? I think I'm looking at the wrong article. I think I am, Carl. Would you believe that? Yeah, that's okay. But I, I can I can give you some axed free agents. Now, Madgen, Jack Madgen, 29, 49 games. Jed Anderson? Yeah, Jed Anderson is, is 28. Yes. Um, Jake Arts at Richmond, little forward, 27 years of age. Connor Blakely, 
26. You played some footy with him, I know. Callum Brown and Tyler Brown, the brothers, sons of, of the gun. James Rowe was a mature age recruit, played almost every game in two years and delisted by the Crows. He's 23. Eli Smith, who uh, has spent some time up in Queensland, is only 22. So is Sydney Stack. So is Liam Stocker. Uh, you've then got Tom Phillips and Mitch Wallace, more mature players, played a fair bit of footy. Phillips is 26. Wallace is surprised that he got delisted. He's 29. Quinton Narkel, of course, uh, he is out of Geelong. He's only 24 years of age. My, Martin Frederick, who is the son, of, uh, brother of Michael, yes. uh, he's only 22 years of age. Francis Evans and Riley Collier Dawkins was one that was an early draft pick for Richmond, who is um, now out of a job. Have you got Jackson Nelson on your list? He's 25 years old, played 100 games for the West Coast Eagles. No, I don't have him on the list. Look, look, my my thoughts would be around a couple of these players: Phillips, Wallace. Blakely and Anderson. I sort of put them in the same box. Pace. Right. I think that that's one thing that uh, they all lack. Whilst they've got good footy now, so they know how to find the ball. It's not always about speed, but I think that when you consider those individuals, uh, for me anyway, I think that uh, the one thing that's probably done them out of a job is essentially foot speed. Well, that sort of says about what the game's going to go to in 2023. Um, usually what happens is teams trying to mimic the, the premier team. It's happened uh, Richmond, their successful periods, Melbourne, Bulldogs, um, every year a team does something well. So what's Geelong done really well this year? Well, clearly they had a good midfield, not a great ruckman, but they had a good centre clearance team. But the biggest differential they had was their ability to, to score off turnover and to defend the turnover. So teams are going to have to defend better and then go quickly off turnover. That's what teams will be trying to do. So do you need pace to do that? Maybe not. But you certainly need good foot skills to be able to do skills. it. And skills. And decision making. As you know, skill is speed. I mean, what you guys, when I reflect back to 2015, was remarkable. I think when Adam Simpson first came to West Coast, what was his focus? It was skills. It was focused on skill. Well, and it was decision making though as well. It, it, they sit part and parcel. Yeah, but the one, the one thing that was very evident to me was that, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong because you were there. I, I just felt that you had a, had a, a much more, uh, stringent focus on your skill you spent time it looked like with the ball in your hand more often is that fair to say did you do more did you do more skill work with the balls did you have balls all the time was there more balls but did you have balls in your hands all the time there was the uh, yes yeah yes? we did i mean and and that was taken from adam simpson not only tom at hawthorne but his time at, at the kangaroos as well i know it's a long time ago but he played a successful period for north melbourne as well so hmm. you take little bits and pieces of along the journey and yeah he certainly introduced some more skill-based element at West Coast from what it had been. But really, not to correct you, but the decision-making element sat right alongside the the skill. Mm. I, I just I just don't think there's AFL players that don't have the skills, right? I, I, I You might argue with me and say that the skills aren't good enough, but I actually think the decision-making is not good enough. I think when they're put under pressure and when push comes to shove and when you've got to make a kick and players don't make it, it's not because they're not skillful enough. It's because they're not making the right decision. Or they can't get their brain to foot quick enough. I don't know. I, I just don't think it's a skill thing. I think it's a mindset and a decision-making thing. Well, I, I think that, yeah, from from a, a mental aspect, if if mentally you doubt yourself, then you're not going to execute the skill. So all of a sudden, when you've got to take that risk, when you've got to go to the corridor and you don't hit the target, then all of a sudden you can see some guys, you can just see their body language. You know, they'd rather pick up pick up the uh, the sprinkler lid and just hop under it yeah. than get to the next contest. Because if you make a mistake, that's okay. Like, your coach is never going to bag you for making a mistake. Just don't make the same mistake twice, Correct. right? Get on the front foot, get moving, get rolling. Sean in Bell Divers. G'day, Sean. 
Yeah, g'day, fellas. Um, yeah, just with the Cricket World Cup, um, I'm enjoying the qualifiers at the moment, purely because I'm going to the game next Tuesday. And I don't know who Australia's playing yet. Um, could we expand it to 16 teams in the World Cup rather than 12? Just because they're not going to win, but it makes it more fun if you've got, like, your Scotland and your Netherlands or whatever playing in it, just as cause, you know, not the upset or two. Do you, do you think that... Do you think it would just be a whitewash, though? Do you think that there's a realistic chance that some of these teams can actually beat in Australia or in England or in India? Well, I mean, Scotland just upset the West Indies. Um, Namibia just beat Sri Lanka, and Sri Lanka and West Indies have both won the T20 World Cup before. So, look, they're not going to win it, but the odd upset will too. I mean, that's that's what you love. You love the underdog. You want to. You don't just want the eight powerhouses, and they just it's a. Nope. I think we lost, we lost him there. Oh, I think he's making a good point, though, Sean. I wouldn't mind seeing some of the minnows play against the big teams, but I do think there's well, a risk. Well, we're going to. We're well, going to see. We're going to see the top, the the yeah. the, the winner of Group yeah. A and Group B yeah. and the runner-up be part of the tournament. Yeah. So, so four of these teams are actually going to go through to the to the main dance. So maybe we're already there. So th- this is what it's all about. But you've got to qualify first. So you've got associate countries, and then you've got those that, of course, have, have already qualified. Now, you've got to remember that Afghanistan already qualified previously. Yes. So so they're in already. Yes. So so you do have others that had previously qualified in the other tournaments in the lead-up to the World Cup. So we've got this little bit that's the lead-up right now. Um, and, and, you know, like I was watching it earlier today with the match that was unfolding. I mean, it was fa- family and friends were there, which has been probably the disappointing part for me, which I spoke about yesterday, is that why haven't you had the gates open to allow fans that support India and Pakistan, Australia and England... Uh, why don't you have their fans being able to at least go to these games? Because we've got sellouts happening, and a lot of the supporters that do want to go can't go. As much as I can see, I put this out on Twitter last night, the, the replies that I've been getting, the best I can do is that staffing was going to be an issue and they couldn't justify opening the gates to practice games. You cannot tell me that England or Australia or India or Pakistan or Sri Lanka, any of these teams, it's a World Cup. People would go. Yeah. There you, would be more than 500 people going down there. I guarantee you. I can guarantee you. Australia and India the other night, you are 100% correct. England and Pakistan the other night, you are 100% correct. And and look, we've got uh, the game that's unfolding right now, which is going to be um, over. It, it doesn't seem to be an issue down at Hobart. No one's going anyway. So they may as well open the gates at Sydney. Well, and, well they're uh, playing at Geelong right now. Sri Lanka, 8 for 152, just uh, with our sports update. Proudly brought to you by Newseed. Uh, 8 for 152. UAE are three for 21 or five overs in reply. So they're in a world of pain right there. And earlier today, it was the Netherlands getting the job done with only a few balls to spare. Uh, Namibia won the toss. They batted six for 121. And the Netherlands, top of their group, by the way, they're two from two. So Ryan Campbell, who we spoke to here on Sports Day, he's looking pretty good right now to advance into the main dance, which will make him very, very happy man indeed. Uh, we need to clear a commitment. On the other side, your calls, one double three eight eighty two. if you want to have a dig at someone or something, you're more than welcome to do that after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. 133-882 is our number. If you would like to join in, Sports Update uh, proudly brought to you by New Seed, delivering you top-performing canola genetics and superior customer service. Uh, in the WBBL tonight, uh, the Hobart Hurricanes, they posted seven for 144. Sydney Thunder, four for 58 in the 11th over, so the equation there, 87 runs from 55 balls, getting beyond them. And at the moment in the men's game, which is uh, unfolding in front 
front of us. The UAE uh, in a lot of trouble at four for 29 after all. Oh, and there's a shot, the stumps, and just knocked the wicket out of the ground, goes tumbling across the turf. Is the Australian game on Tuesday night here at Optus Stadium sold out, Carl? Is it a sellout? Uh, no. The, the, that's the game that's upcoming against Afghanistan. Is that? Oh, right. no, no. The Tuesday night game, no. No. Because right. the first game is, of course, uh, being played on Saturday. Oh. So that's against Afghanistan. The Tuesday night game, we're still waiting to see who their opponent's going to be. Well, we've been covering the cricket and been talking a lot and a lot of teams and it's the World Cup. Is there much relevancy to this competition, in all seriousness? Do, do, do the players care if they win or not? Do people, do people get excited about this World Cup? Are you excited about this World Cup? Well, I would have gone on the weekend, but I've, I've, I'm, I'm actually going up to Broome for the weekend, Scoey. Oh, um, so hard for some. Yeah, so I, I'm going up there for a meeting. But at the same time, when you consider uh, the 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 community that we've got here, I'm just, I'm not so sure that there's going to be a big crowd. I mean, what do we have the other day? We had twenty three thousand fans turn out for. Australia, when they took on a well-credentialed New Zealand here in yeah. a warm-up game. Yeah. So, so to I, me, if there's an example, you're not going to you're not going to be getting any more than twenty-three thousand, even though the real real stuff started. No, I don't think. No. Do you? No. I I just maybe it's because I'm not the world's biggest cricket fan, which is okay, isn't it? I, I love cricket. I love other sports. It's, yeah. You know, cricket's not my favourite. I just don't feel the excitement and the build-up that you would see with a. Another sporting World Cup in this country. You, you should have heard me 13 years ago because I was sitting here and I said, this Mickey Mouse short form cricket's not going to work. Was well, this about one day? Yeah. No, no, about T20. Right. Because T20 started... 13 years ago. T, t, well, our domestic competition, we, we're Did up it? to WBBL8. 13 years yeah, ago? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's... Um, I'm time. pretty sure it's BBL 13. Um, Isn't there T10s now? Well, well, this is the thing. So, so it started in England. Now. It started in England. This particular uh, short form cricket in the first place. And so I was sitting here. and I'm going. This is not going to work. You only bowl four overs. It says Mickey Mouse. Like the double wicket competition I used to have going back in in my younger days. So what used to happen was in this scenario, right? Every single person had to bat, even if you couldn't bat. And it, but every single person had to bowl, even the wicket keeper. Right. Right. So you basically had. Two overs in which each of you batted. That's indoor cricket, isn't it? Well, essentially, but you used to play on an outdoor field. Right. Right? So, yeah, that's essentially uh, the same as what it would be on something that's inside. BBL 12, WBBL 8. So it's BBL 12. So you're right. It's Mm. what, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Yeah. So that's that's gone quickly, hasn't it? It has. But here, here I was saying, oh, this won't work. Now, now you've got an IPL tournament in India. Yes. Which And, and the rest. Well, you look at the money. Look at the money that's in the short-form game because they've been able to get it to a point where it's packaged up. And, look, I broadcast it here on 6PR for eight years. So actually going along to the ground and having it in a in a nice little position of three hours, which essentially, you know, from the first ball it's bowled to when it's finished, people can seem to afford that amount of time. If it extends beyond that, it's... It's too hard. So getting people to come, young families, getting them in the gate, having it on a real time, having a bit of the other stuff around it, I think sometimes helps. You know, you've got the, the fireworks and the other bits and pieces that go on. The Optus Stadium um, stuff comes up with the Waffle Ground final, right? Uh, mm. Do you play at a local ground? Do you play at Optus Stadium? Do you lose the atmosphere at Optus playing in the Waffle? I think it comes up after this World Cup when the Scorchers start in the National 2020 competition and the games are played at Optus, right? All of them are played at Optus. Mm. Do you, do you think that loses a bit of the atmosphere? Like, I used to love going to the Wacker, the Furnace. Is it still the Furnace at Optus Stadium? I think that 
And and look, I, I did the WAFL Grand Final at Leadable Oval, and it turned out to be magnificent yes. because it was packed and the people, and you were there too. So uh, we got to see firsthand what it was like in that environment. I reckon down at Fremantle Oval, when I reflect back, it was similar to, yep. to that when it was played down there. The thing that, though, the players want to get an experience doing is that they want to play the game at the, big the bigger venue. I think so the, the, cricketers, the cricketers want to do that, an empty, bigger stadium. Is that what they want? Or do they want a full, smaller stadium? Well, I, I would, I would suggest, and look, we'd have to ask them when we, when we get the next couple of uh, guests on. But, but I think for the most part that they'd love to play either, you know, if it's, if it's not the Wacker Ground, they, they want to be playing their cricket at, at Optus Stadium on, on the good pitch. I think that the crowd though, the crowd though, is able to enjoy the carnival atmosphere, rolling a rug out on the grass. It's something that a lot of people miss. So, yeah, I think that if you spoke to the fans, if if you want to call through and you agree or disagree, one double three eight eighty two. But I think that the numbers are the difference. So you can only get what fourteen thousand or whatever there was at the Waffle Grand Final. You come to the bigger venue, there was thirty odd thousand, I think, Subiaco and South Fremantle. So I think that uh, is is probably something that uh, needs to be taken strongly into consideration here. Carl, what mm. about this? Kartik me up ya. Took a hat trick for UAE in Sri Lanka's innings. How about that? Yes. Hat tricks in men's T20 World Cup history. There's not many. Brett Lee, Curtis Camper. I don't know who he plays for. Kagaso Rabada. Kagaso, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. What, you tell me what's this one. Hmm? What's the next name? One in do. Hasaranga. Hasaranga. Yeah. And now Kartik Miapia. Yeah. So that's a that's that's a wonderful performance, isn't it? It's five I mean, of them. Ab- abs- absolutely awesome. And, and they're still going to lose. Well, they are because there's another wicket at the cricket. Another one of the uh, uh, the shots by the uh, one of the boys from the UAE wasn't great. But yeah, they're they're going to be they're going to be going down. Um, and I think that when you look at the the match between India and Australia, the other, I mean, they got four wickets and four balls. Yes. There was a run out in there though, so there wasn't a there wasn't a hat trick to the individual, but it was a team hat trick. Team hat trick. Four in a row. Does that count? Uh, well, no, not in this circumstance. The other thing I want to ask you about fixturing is, and it's in the news and it has been in the news for the last few hours, is Good Friday, North Melbourne. Right, I've seen this come across the line. They, I think, have collectively in their last couple of games lost by 136 points, but they've got a great association with the fundraising campaign that they do around this fixture. Which is positive. It's been theirs for a little while. Are you one that should be sharing it around, or are you happy for them to continue to have it? It's a little bit like Dreamtime, which is played between Essendon and Richmond, which we got a real taste of here in Western Australia. And I think by moving that game around is something that makes sense, and and playing it between Essendon and, and Richmond because, mate, it was unbelievable the environment that was created here. So uh, does does poor performance and poor performance from North Melbourne does that preclude them from having a big event like Good Friday Appeal? Because I think the work that they do away from the field on it. It's a it's a huge thing, especially in Melbourne, the Good Friday appeal that they do for the children's hospital in Melbourne. Yep. They they make a lot of money for that charity and for that for those for those kids. So because they're not playing well, do you take it off them and give it to someone else? Does another team make more money for the children's hospital? I don't know. I, I personally think they should keep the keep the so regardless of how well they're going. Well, yeah, because eventually they're going to come good, aren't they? They're not going to be crap forever. No, you're right. And, and look, um, they, they try to put marquee fixtures on Friday nights or Thursday nights because there's a lot more Thursday nights, but it hasn't necessarily worked, has it? No. I mean, a game that we think is going to be brilliant. We've done plenty of those, uh, in the last year that we think, oh yeah, we rock up to work and we think this game's going to be good. And it turns out to be 
terrible. You can't dictate performance, unfortunately. So you, you know, North Melbourne are going to you know hope that they're going to perform well. I mean, last year it, it um, drew Kangaroos' biggest home crowd, over thirty-two thousand people attending the game. So their next best home crowd was twenty-two thousand. So it's a big uptick for them. Yeah. You talk about percentages. That's a huge uptick for them. Oh, and I think what that means is it means something to to the community. It's like the North Melbourne breakfast. Like, it's been iconic, right? Yes. And and it's something that everyone supports. And they don't stop it if they're playing poorly. No. Right? So so you're on my side? I, I think I am, yeah. I think I am. Does anyone disagree? One double three eighty two. No. Well, someone else might, but I think for for this case, but for the for the sentimental bone in me, I'm I'm leaning that way. But um, I, I think that the the AFL is always looking at making sure that they can get uh, more eyes, uh, more people through the turnstile, more eyes on the television, and that. That helps contribute to the bigger picture. I mean, clearly the AFL know that North Melbourne don't draw a crowd. They haven't played a standalone Friday night fixture since 2019. So they're well aware that North Melbourne don't get crowds at games. Correct. That uh, probably leads to the arguments quarter to seven. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Will and I uh, had a coffee before the show. Had an and, argument. Uh, well, no, we didn't have an argument. Right. We just had a discussion about yes. why. Because you said, "What are you doing?" You called me names, actually. Because yeah, I, I put milk in before I put the water in the coffee. Instant coffee. Yeah. And so then you went and posted on your on your Twitter there. Twitter. Yeah. Okay. And okay, boomer. And you've got and you've got mass support. So yeah, I said majority of people would put their boiling water in before. The milk. Yeah. So their- Heater, our producer, says uh, said said what you said, but let's not repeat that. Yes. Let's keep that up to ourselves. Correct. Yeah. Um. So therefore, welcome to Sports Day. What is the what is the percentage? Sixty-seven percent of people put right. boiling water in first. Right. Before oh, no, before they lunatic, put their lunatic like you. Before they put milk in. Yes. So I put coffee, cold milk, then milk, and then I put the water in. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Back to front, some would say. Uh, 133-882 is uh, the number if uh, you would like to join in at any time. Uh, they're in a lot more trouble now, I can tell you, uh, the UAE. Uh, they've just lost their sixth wicket, so they're six for 36 right now. So, unfortunately for them, uh, they won't be taking any further part in this World Cup. Uh, they've got a game to come. Uh, they take on Sri Lanka, I think. Uh, no, this is, is the... Uh, they, they are playing. Yeah, play. sorry. They've got one game to come. Um, and you've got the Netherlands who will th- get an opportunity, uh, the last opportunity, I think, to take on Sri Lanka. So if Sri Lanka can roll the Netherlands, then it could go right down to, uh, the wire as to, to who then is able to progress through as the top of their group, which will be quite intriguing here. Well, uh, the Netherlands, we spoke to Ryan Campbell about them and he had some pretty high hopes for them. A couple mm. of, um, they're not Australian at all. They're from the Netherlands. They are Dutch, but some pseudo Aussies playing in that team. So they're getting some good performances out of those lads, and they may finish and go through to the next stage. And we'll give what one of our previous callers had to say, um, a bit of the minnows going against the big guys. Well, Elena is joining us from Dutch. Elena, how are you? Hi, guys. Hi, guys. How are you going? Um, how are you going? You're doing... Um, I'm good, thank you. You're doing the best thing. You have to put your milk first, otherwise you burn the coffee. <laughs> Elena, come on now. We, we haven't had a call in a little bit, and you're you're supporting Carl with putting the yes. cold milk in. No, Elena, yes. no. Every morning, every morning I have my plunger coffee, so you put the milk in first, and then you put the hot plunger coffee on top. 
No, I don't. I can't come with you here, Elena. I'm sorry. It seems okay, crazy to me. Right. It's crazy. Okay. I mean, don't well, worry about burning the coffee. It's just, it's just instant coffee anyway. It's not that good. It doesn't matter. You still burn it. It's terrible. <laughs> Thank you, Elena. <laughs> there's, a, there's another perspective for you. Burning the coffee. Uh, you can't have that, can you, Scoey? So, so just when we reflect back to the start of the program with regards to uh, the politics and sport. And um, it's it's one of those touchy subjects that a lot of people don't really want to get uh, too much involved in, I don't think, when it comes to sport. So it's not uh, surprising that not too many people have stuck their head up to throw their five cents worth into that scenario. Uh, Pat Cummins, though, I mean, he's only 29. So we talk about what's probably sensible and what's not. And there was the talk that David Warner might be the guy that takes over from Aaron Finch. I'm, I'm glad that they have gone for Cummins uh, from from that point of view, from my perspective, because I just feel that he's someone that is going to be able to then cement his position. He's learnt under Aaron Finch. He said that he's come out in his own words and learned a fair bit from him. So I think that's a pretty important step forward. You had the issue with Warner's age, didn't you? I mean, you thought Warner was too old to be. Well, it'll be short term. It'll be short term, I reckon. Unless he's, unless you think he's going to do a Clive Lloyd and play, and, and Bobby Simpson played at least 40. I mean, he might be able to. Given what you spoke about with the New South Wales Mafia that's running, is that like, no, the click, sorry, not mm. Mafia. Click, the yeah. New South Wales click that run Cricket Australia yep. and the Australian cricket team. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's solidifying what goes on there and the players within the team would be happy with Pat Cummins taking over another form of the game as captain? Well, Davey Warner's his mate. So I, I, I'd, I'd, but he, but he's, I'd he, suggest so. He effectively came out publicly and said that he wanted he put his hand up for the job and he wanted his leadership suspension um, overturned, didn't he? Yeah, and I think well, that's that's Davy. Mm. So is is the rest of the cricketing world on the same page? Now I think everyone's sort of forgiven him, haven't they? For, for his part that he played going back all of those years over there in South Africa? Maybe not. Yeah, but. maybe. I mean, yeah, he, he was punished. Um, he's, he's spent his time away from it. The leadership ban, though, was a big part of that punishment, though, Colin. It was a lifetime ban. Hmm. So. And it still is. So, well, you know, I don't think that gets overturned. Why would you put it there if it can get overturned? It's well, like getting a life sentence and then going, oh, you've been a good boy out in parole. Well, and, and that's happened recently, hasn't it? Yeah. And I mean, that happens because of good behaviour. Uh, we've seen that, uh, embroiled in, uh, the Bali Bombers, who's, uh, you know, early release. And you talk about the horrific, um, you know, injuries and, and loss of life that he imposed on many Australians and families going back to that time. Pat Cummins. Good appointment in my book. All right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll reserve judgment. I'll re- reserve judgment and wait and see. I just thought maybe giving someone else a go might have been probably the way to go. Uh, we need to clear a commitment and come back. We'll tell you what's coming up the new, after the news next. Uh, don't risk all your teams missing the T20 World Cup. You can see it on Kia Sport. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. The news that's coming up here on R82.6PR. We'll have a chat to Ali Day, Cullingatta Gold winner over the weekend. David Michaluzzi, winner out in the WA PGA Championship there in Kalgoorlie. Josh Wye will bring us right up to date with anything in the NFL world. And Michael Laminato with Motorsport. Johnny Slavich, for those of you that love your lawn bowls, to take us out tonight. So that is coming your way after the news that's next. Thanks to Kia, Australia's Most Wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year.
Welcome back to Sports Day. Great to have your company and fantastic to have this man back on the radio. We've spoken to him a few times over the years because he's always the star of the field. And we're here thanks to Repco Authorised Service for Expert Car Service. Book into your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. The man I'm talking about is the Coolangatta Gold Medal winner, Ali Day, who joins us here on Sports Day. Ali, welcome, mate. Congratulations. Hey, thanks so much, boys, for having us on. Uh, you are a veteran of this race and the eighth time that you've won this event. Uh, obviously means a lot to you. It means the world to me that, um, you know, this event, it was the first, first major event I won in my career back 10 years ago now, back in 2012. So it's been so good to me, the race. It's taught me so much. It's, you know, obviously had its ups and downs with the challenges that I've had to go through to get to the start line, but it's given me so much and uh, it's just a, an event that, you know, as I said, I'm just so passionate about. So, um, yeah, as I said, it's a, it's dear to me and, and hopefully, um, you know, I've got a few more in me. What's, what's changed, Ali, between your first win, uh, and, and the one you've just had, number eight? I assume some of the body, how you feel, the mental side, <laughs> it would have been a fair bit. Yeah, being 32 now, not that that's old uh, at all, but, you know, like obviously, the challenges each year to get your foot on the start line become a little bit harder. Um, the target on your back gets a little bit better, a little bit bigger, sorry. Um, but I just think all in all, they just get more and more special each year uh, because of, you know, the opponents that I've had to race or the conditions that I've had to get through or the, you know, the challenges that you might face on the day or have to overcome in, in the preseason or the, you know, our off season, sorry. So, they just get more and more special. I mean, the other day uh, I got asked the same question, which one's your favourite? And it's it's so hard to, um, you know, to think back what, what they were like, actually, and that's not sounding cocky. But I think, obviously, the first one was so special because it was my first one and it really sort of kick-started my career. But the one on the weekend was, um, yeah, it was a hell of a race. I was, you know, I, cha- I got challenged, like, literally for almost three hours. So um, I hadn't, hadn't sort of been pushed. Um, to that sort of, uh, or had that much pressure on me, sorry. So to be able to sort of break free of that and, and just stay calm and, and compose for that, that four hours, that was something I was really proud of. And it's something obviously like I've been able to develop over the years and obviously experience is counted for so much on the weekend. So for those who are listening along that aren't familiar, it's almost as long as a marathon, 41.8 kilometres, but 23 kilometres of those are on a surf ski into a 1K run, 3.5K swim, 6.1K board, finished off by a 8.2K run. I mean, it doesn't sound easy, Ellie. No, it's definitely not. Um, the conditions were uh, were pretty favourable on the weekend. I like it when it's a little bit tougher than it, what, it, what it is usual. Uh, well, usually, sorry, like... Uh, I'm lucky that I live here on the Gold Coast. I'm, I'm out and I'm pretty familiar with the course all the time, but it was hot on the ski. Um, the swim was great, um, sort of cool off, or you could say not, not really cooling off. We were, you know, going um, hell for leather in that swimming board leg. And then probably the hardest part for me was that that, that soft sand run at the end. Uh, the seven times that had won it before had all been on a low tide. And on the weekend, we had a really high tide. Um, so... You, know, you can imagine, um, you know, running on the soft sand pretty much with the water lapping up to your ankles and almost your knees sometimes. So that, um, you know, that was pretty challenging. But again, you deal with different conditions. We're in a sport where Mother Nature plays a, um, obviously a huge um, hand in in what the conditions might be like on the day. So again, just super proud that I was able to get through and um, come away with another win. 
How did your time compare? Three hours fifty-seven forty-nine to events of the past. It, it was actually quite quick, um, to be honest. So I, it's it's hard, obviously, to compare, as I said, with Mother Nature and things like that. But I think any time you go under four hours is quite fast. I mean, the ski, I think it was an hour and forty for for twenty-three k's or something like that, which is which is moving. And then, you know, a three and a half k swim, I think it was, you know, just over forty minutes. And then, you know, I felt like um, I board paddled really well. And and again, the run was a little bit slower than usual, but. Um, you know, you're running on that soft sand after three hours and you can do all the running, you can do all the 10K races and all the preparation you want, but nothing ever prepares you for uh, what you're going to go through uh, at that point in the race. So, I mean, that's what I try to do in training every weekend or every day, um, in particular over these last few years, just re- really try to prepare my body and my mind for what it might feel like. But even on the weekend, uh, with all the hard training I did for the 20 weeks leading up and, and, you know, the seven races I've won before that, it's still, you still can't replicate what it feels like on Sunday when you, um, when you start running down that beach. Did you tear your calf, Ali, or was it just tight? No, I actually, uh, I tore it three weeks ago, oh. um, prior. So Gosh. on the Monday, I just come off, thankfully, I'm um, doing the, doing a run through of the course. We normally do that like a month out and, I felt amazing uh, on the course and we had a recovery week and uh, the following week I yeah, went out for my Monday run and I felt like a bit of a cramp and the cramp got gradually worse and worse to the point where I just had to stop and I walked home and thought, uh-oh, uh, this doesn't sound or doesn't feel, sorry, too good and end up being a, a pretty decent calf tear in my right calf. So um, Obviously, the alarm bells sort of started ringing, but I've been through a few challenges like this before, probably um, none greater than this one prior to a race. And, um, you know, I mean, I had a great team of physios and, and experts that, that literally we threw everything we could at it by, you know, getting off it with crutches the first week. I think the second week we were, you know, walking in the pool and, you know, I was, wasn't was allowed in the ocean. I wasn't allowed to kick in the pool and all these sorts of things. And then the third week I was able to start you know, properly uh, loading it through some some isometrics. And I did a little bit of skipping on the Wednesday and the Friday before the race. But the first uh, the first real chance I got it running was once I jumped off the ski uh, after doing 23Ks. So you can imagine what my mind was thinking. Um, the three weeks leading up, in particular the night before, and then, and then obviously, uh, you know, getting closer to cooling out of beach once I got off the ski, thinking how the hell is this calf going to hold up and how is it going to feel? But... Again, um, you know, I had, had the confidence there from the people around me. I was able to get off, and it felt quite good in that first 1K run. And, um, you know, it started to really start to tighten up once I uh, started running that 8K. It almost tightened up immediately. Um, so <laughs> that wasn't um, wasn't the best thing. But at the same time, I had, a, had a, worked really hard to get a three-minute sort of buffer. And I just figured if I can sort of get – four k's up I'd, I'd be able to somehow manage to get home which i did well now you can try and uh, get that right for the nutrigain ironman which you are the defending champion the qualification rounds kick off 12 13 november mate just around the corner eight positions up for grabs for both males and females to try to work their way into the field to take you on exactly yeah it's um we've got a lot of lot of guys and a lot of girls that i train with uh, at our club at Surfers Paradise. It's really exciting. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to help those guys um, in the next few weeks just with some, um, you know, with some advice. I've been in that position before when you, when you had to trial when you're a young kid and um, all you want to do is, is, is qualify and, and be able to race on live TV and things like that. So, 
it's exciting. Um, but yeah, like you guys said, I'll turn my attention now to, to trying to get this calf right. I'm back on the crutches um, and just trying to get off it as much as I can at the moment. And um, I'll enjoy a few days off and then start um, start plotting and planning and, and getting ready to hopefully defend my um, Nutri-Grain Ironman Series title. Hey, Ali, can you just talk through the, the surf club culture that, that you know, especially the Gold Coast has and is? Um, it's different. I, I'm, I'm Victorian, grew up around a surf club in Jan Juck, but up on the Gold Coast, Queensland and some of New South Wales, it's a, it's a real um, way of living, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is so different. I mean, Jan Juck is, is beautiful. I've got a couple of mates down at that club, and obviously I grew up on the New South Wales South Coast, and the surf clubs down there are very similar to probably, you know, the clubs in Adelaide, the clubs in Victoria, the clubs in Western Australia. But, um, yeah, over here, surf life saving when i say over here the gold coast it's uh it's it's a lifestyle you know kids um don't play afl they play afl and rugby league and swimming but most kids up here they live on the beach and they want to do nippers so um and then obviously you got the pokies the surf clubs can make a lot of money they can pay professional coaches to come in so again it's it's really hard to comprehend how different it is once you move up here and as i said it's it's a it's a brilliant lifestyle up here it's um, you know, the facilities that every club has here on the Gold Coast, and the resources, and as I said, the coaches and and the, uh, I guess, like the, almost the experiences you can have up here is amazing. I remember just coming up here as a young kid thinking this is a lot different than my surf club at home. So, uh, you know, you go to any surf club tonight, being a Tuesday night, and there's hundreds of people having dinner, whereas, uh, you know, I'd imagine Janjuk, there's probably not too many people hanging around this afternoon or, or anything <laughs> like that. So, um, yeah, I love it up here, and um, it's again, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a brilliant sport, and um, you know, hopefully, I'm, you know, inspiring that next generation of kids to come through, and and not only want to be, they don't have to be a professional Ironman or Iron women or anything like that. It's more just like being in that fraternity and being a part of a surf club because it's a, it's a brilliant community um, based sport. Ali, thank you very much uh, for joining us, mate. It's a pleasure having you on the show, mate. Take care and good luck uh, for the road ahead. Um, we'll be in touch, I reckon, once the uh, Ironman series gets underway because those first rounds coming up, uh, rounds one, two and three down there at North Bondi Beach, the famous North Bondi Beach to kick us off 14, 15 of January uh, to get it all underway. Hey, thanks so much, boys. Always a pleasure and, um, yeah, can't wait to... Um to come back on in, in the summertime. Good on you. Ali Day here on Sports Day. Fantastic to have a yak to him. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service, Will. Yeah, very good talent, Ali Day. Um, good, good on the chats, Ali. I enjoyed that. Yeah, he's uh, very, very good talent. Don't worry about that, Will. That's uh, what you need on a, a program like this, that all it is is talking. Uh, you can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. They do more than talking in there, I can tell you that. Uh, David uh, Michaluzzi will join us next. WA PGA Championship winner. He got to the front and he held on for Fantastic stuff. He won it out in Kalgoorlie on the weekend. We'll have a yak to him next. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company and fantastic to have uh, another winner here on this program. We start off the hour with a bloke who's just won the cool and got a goal by the name of Ali Day, Will Schofield. That is correct. And now we're joined by David Michaluzzi, a WA PGA Championship winner. Welcome, David. How are you, mate? I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. Talk to us about the win. How did it go? How did it go? Oh man, it was a it was a a crazy day to to say the least. I um had a pretty average bogey on the first, but um I played some pretty solid golf from there on in, and the through, uh, through about twelve twelve holes, I was 
three behind uh, Jared Felton, who was out in front. And, um, yeah, I had four birdies in the last six. that I got, got the job done, and I didn't know I was two in front standing on the 18th tee, but um, found that out when I was uh, had my second shot into 18. So it was, a, it was a nice time to find out that if I made bogey, I still won. So... Oh yeah, I was, I was stoked. How do you not find that out? Not being um, silly about it, but just do you uh, request that you don't know the scores, or is it just not make it through uh, well, the course? There was no leaderboards out there. Um, I could have asked, but I was just I was so I was just focused on my game and going up the last. I had a feeling I was either square or one behind because I bogeyed seventeen. So I thought I knew that I knew through 12 that there was like six or seven people at 13 under and I was at 12. Um, so yeah, so I just, I just assumed that they would have, as one of them would have gotten to 14 or to 15. So when I made that bogey up 17, uh, I thought I was either square or one back. So, so it actually forced me to knuckle down and hit a, a good tee shot down 18, which I did. And yeah, I found out on the second shot, which was, which was kind of cool. How did... Kind of really, really, um, uh, how can, how can I say it? Got to really, um, soak it in. Enjoy, enjoy the walk up 18. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to walk up yeah. 18 when you know you've got the job done, particularly when you're playing around four grueling rounds and the conditions, mate. Yeah. How did they change from, say, round one to, to the, to the last round? Yeah, it was, it wasn't really, it wasn't really that windy the whole week. There was a few gusts that kind of came around every once in a while, every probably 10 minutes, and then it would just disappear. But then the final day was just constant constant wind, so constant probably maybe 30 to 45K winds, and it was hot as well. Um, so they, they obviously you had to adapt pretty well to the last day, and I felt like I've been, I've been hitting it pretty good the last uh, last few months, and I've been playing in wind back, back at home, so I knew, I knew what to expect, but... Um, yeah, going into final round, obviously in the final group, there's there's a lot more nervous than the uh, social hit at um, Peninsula or at Cranbourne. So, um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so I had to really had to really dig down. Uh, now you know, of course, too, that uh, Jared Felton's had a fair bit of experience out there, being a recent winner as well back in 2020. Um, how much experience have you had out there in Kalgoorlie yourself? Uh, so my my actually my. Uh, my, I debuted at Kalgoorlie in 2019, so that was my third year. Okay, just come. And has it so, changed yeah. much over the time, or and and, and no, say the, the challenges the exact same. and the challenges exactly. of the course, mate? Yeah. Nah, exactly. It literally is identical to what <laughs> I experienced in 2019. Absolutely identical. So, which which was kind of nice because, like, I knew how the course played up. I actually had two really good results beforehand. Like, I think I came 11th in my first my first WAPJ and then the one in April, I came ninth. So I've always played decently well around there. And I knew this week uh, I've been, I'm, I'm hitting it better than I, I did uh, in April. And then also in three years ago. So um, yeah, I had a lot of confidence going in and especially into the final round, like I haven't been in that position for a long time. So it was cool to actually get it done. And yeah, all the, all the hard work uh, offsite has, has paid off. So what's up next, David? How do you take that confidence from a big win into your next uh, tournaments? Uh, we've got WI Open this week. Um, just played a practice round at, a, at Western Australian Golf Club. Um, the course is awesome. Uh, 
yeah, looking just looking forward to uh, going on from a, from a win and like I, I've had to do a lot of a uh, lot of stuff like this, a lot of media stuff and all that. So we'll see how that affects playing a tournament. Um, there's a, there's going to be a, a little bit more eyes, uh, a little bit more uh, people around, obviously, and uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll have fun with it. I'm not gonna not gonna get all nervous and shy around it. You have to embrace it at some point. So. I'm just looking forward to playing another event and hopefully getting another vic- another victory. It will be great. Now, are there going to be any superstitions involved in your future, given that you've got this big emotional win under your belt, that pink shirt? Is that going to get a rollout more regularly, you reckon? Well, I, it was actually funny because I actually wore it the last day of the Alfred Dunhill that I played three weeks ago, and I actually didn't know. I I saw a photo... I saw a, fo- a photo from the last round, and I wore the exact same, uh, exact same kit. I didn't win; I came came thirty six. But um, I think it has to be now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like it too. It looks good. It's a, it's yeah, a... I, everyone, everyone, everyone said good things about it. So I think I, I think it might be a keeper for Sunday. It's a mental game, isn't it, David? Golf. I mean, yeah, I, know, I know it's, I know it's physical. You have, you, hey, you, hang on, you got to have a little bit of skill for it. Hey, all, all, <laughs> hang on. I oh, know hey. you have to have skill, and you got to yeah. hit a ball with a stick. But it's a mental game. Do you tell me, David? Don't listen to Carl. <laughs> We'd all be doing it if it was that easy, wouldn't Just, we? What do you think mental? Exactly. Easy? Tell, tell, David. Tell us how hard mentally it is. Um. Well, it's kind of weird, uh, and I think a lot of people, a, a lot of players, will agree with me. And people who play golf at, at a decent level, that when you're not playing great, you're actually more under pressure. When you're playing great, there's not really that much pressure because you know you're playing, you know you're playing great, and you know you can hit the shots under pressure. So, the pressure there was pressure on Sunday. Obviously, I haven't been up in that situation for a while. Um, but I knew I was hitting it good. And the last six holes when I I had nothing to lose, I was three back. Um, I really had to zone in and actually and hit the shots. And and with that pressure, it was kind of fun because it was just like, okay, yeah, I am nervous, but I know how to hit this shot. Or I know, I know how this shot's going to react and all, all this kind of stuff. So it was fun where when you're grinding to make the cut, which was me probably two years ago or maybe even three years ago when I turned pro, grinding to make cut, that's the most nervous I've ever been. Like you have to, like you're hitting it horrendous. You have to try and get it in. Uh, and especially like if you're later group on, on the Friday and you're on the cut line, the greens are a little bit bumpy from the traffic over the last couple of days and all that, I think that's more nerve-wracking than being up in contention just because you've been playing well. So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, and, and and look, it's nice to be back playing golf, isn't it, mate, travelling around our 100%. great brown land. You know, a couple of years ago, we weren't doing this. No, exactly. Exactly right. Well, we couldn't, Melbourne people couldn't go at 5Ks outside the house. So to, to be on the other side of the country and also go to the other side of the world three weeks ago, uh, with no stress, uh, I like where it's heading. Um, hopefully, we don't have to go through that again for everyone's sake. Um, and yeah, how, yeah, how good how good's the season going to be? Like we've got 17 events or 16 more events, and yeah, got, we're playing some pretty cool golf courses over the next um, next 16 events. So yeah, it should be great. 
nice start, mate, anyway. Congratulations. Thank you very much for sharing a few minutes with us tonight and uh, all, all the best for uh, your next tournament just around the corner. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. David Michaluzzi there here on Sports Day. Get behind our Perth Wildcats this season. You head to ticketech.com.au right now. Almost over. The UAE, they need 82 runs off 19 balls, but they only have one wicket in hand. They are 9 for 71. That's after Sri Lanka posted 8 for 152 off their 20 overs. Earlier tonight, it was the Netherlands that won their second game. They defeated Namibia. Namibia winning the toss, making 6 for 121. Netherlands chasing it down with only four balls to spare at five for 122. And Ross Lyon has met with the Saints today, a second meeting as he zeroes in on the St Kilda coaching job. And we've got uh, plenty more news for you, which we'll update uh, throughout the course of the rest of the night. But right now, we'll take a break. On the other side, we'll come back and we'll be joined by Josh Wire, our NFL expert here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day, and as I forecast prior to the break, uh, we were going to have a yak with NFL expert in Josh Y, and uh, why don't we just uh, roll in the other bloke who's sitting opposite me and Will Schofield, because i tell you what, it's in your blood, this sport. Up and about with the NFL uh, season all happening, and you know what, Carl, I know a fair bit about NFL, so I know what I'm doing here. G'day, Josh, great to uh, have you on the show, mate. Let's start with the game that was today. Russell Wilson loses again with his Broncos. What's happening? Yeah, he's he's carrying a shoulder injury, but I don't know if that's all you know all to blame for the reason with with the Broncos and their offense. The the Broncos have spent big on him and and coach Nathaniel Hackett in the off season, and it just hasn't quite worked out. They haven't meshed. There seems to be some clashes on on what type of offense they want to run, and and Russell Wilson's kind of a little bit off, and so. I think that's probably the majority of the reason because a defense this good with the Broncos should not be two and four. Uh, the the game of the round for mine was the Chiefs v the Bills. Patrick Mahomes going up against Josh Allen. Josh Allen gets the chocolates again, twenty four to twenty. You know we're going to see some big battles from them for the next decade, aren't we? Yeah, pretty much. I think that's going to be the new Brady Manning, pretty much in the AFC. The the, the winner of that will likely you know, be the number one seed and, and, and be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. But the, the Bills beat the Chiefs last year in the regular season and the Chiefs uh, got the uh, chocolates in the playoffs. So we, we may see a repeat of that, but um, I think the Bills are a much better team this year and that Von Miller acquisition played dividends for them late in the game. Talking about Tom Brady, I mean, he retired and then, well, sort of didn't retire and came back and they're three and three. They lose to a... Pittsburgh Steelers team that isn't very good. Has he made the right decision to play on for another year? <laughs> um, uh, professionally or personally? <laughs> you, you tell me. Um, I probably, <laughs> I probably think professionally it's fine. I know they're three and three, and he's not having a great season by his standards, but he's still, he's still a pretty league average quarterback given his age. So, and they've still got a great team around them. They just. Uh, they just kind of matched up terribly with the Steelers in hindsight, um, that offensive line against the, the stout defensive line of the Steelers. So um, they'll still win games. They'll still be in the playoffs. So I think come December, it probably still looks like a good decision to come back. But um, personally, I'm not so sure. Now, Michael Dixon, mate, uh, he is a guy that uh, is under pressure, has a bit of a habit of playing with fire. Yeah, he's... <laughs> It's really strange because when he kicks the ball, there's not many better than him in the NFL. But um, 
has a propensity to to not always kick it. Um, in this situation, I can't I can't really knock him. Uh, you've got three guys within a meter of you, and you're about to kick it. Uh, I'd be terrified to to sling my leg in the air as well, but uh, thankfully it didn't cost the Seahawks the, the W. So we we saw one of the stranger happenings on a professional sporting field, let alone the NFL. Robbie Anderson, who has been a good ride wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, had a bit of a dust up, a bit of a blow up with his head coach on the sidelines. He gets thrown into the locker room and is subsequently traded within 24 hours to the Arizona Cardinals. What's what's happened there? Yeah, he's he's had a run in sort of all season. He was a bit lippy in the off season about certain things and, and the quarterback situation. He's is kind of a deep route runner and the deep ball just wasn't there. I think he caught one deep pass touchdown all season with the Panthers and he, he clashed with, uh, with Matt Rule who, who departed the Panthers just before him, but it seems the new management also didn't, uh, didn't like his attitude either. So, um, I'm surprised that Carolina, uh, tra- as, uh, sorry, Arizona traded for him, but, uh, with the injury to Marquise Brown and they'll, they'll need a, a, a a wide receiver opposite DeAndre Hopkins, who returns next week. So I was having a look at a bit of the news today. So according to NFL Network Insider, he was given a two-year, $29.5 million extension through to 2023. His numbers dipped, uh, and so subsequently uh, it gets to the situation where they just pull the trigger like that. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is pretty It is pretty crazy, and, you know, like, he's a kind of a boom-bust player, so, you know, well, he'll have weeks where his stats aren't looking great, but then it'll be, you know, be a three-catch, 150-yard, two-touchdown game from time to time. So um, that, it's been few and far between for Robbie Anderson. I, I thought the Panthers overpaid for him at the time, but uh, that seems to have not been the smartest decision, and, and yeah, it's proven correct. Now, Josh, I want to take you to the NFC North, uh, where my team, the Minnesota Vikings, are absolutely flying five and one to start the first six games. The Green Bay Packers, they're pretenders at three and three. How good are the, tell me how good the Vikings are. Tell me, Josh. I was, it's funny. I was much higher on them going into the season. And now that they're five and one, I'm, I've cooled even a little bit on them because they are winning games, but they're not. They're not really impressing me too much. They're like, they really struggled in this game against the Dolphins, against a, a third string quarterback for most, well, for at least for most of the first half before Ted, Teddy Bridgewater took over. But, um, at the same time, they have all the pieces there. I, I'm a fan of their head coach in Kevin O'Connell. So they're five and one and I think they can turn it around and, and, and still even a, not turn it around, but improve in terms of their winning ways, um, and be a bit more dominant in those performances. So five and one, they've got a pretty good schedule. I think they're, I think they're pretty much a lock to win that division as even with Aaron Rodgers sort of breathing down their neck. Josh, just remind me of your team, please. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the, the, Oh, actually I can talk about the Colts this week. They had an impressive uh, comeback win against the Jaguars and uh, they're now firmly back in the, in the division race in the South. Oh, please. You, you, you three wins, two losses in a tie. Minnesota, five and one. You just dressed them right down. A little bit of salt in the wounds there. Minnesota Vikings are fine, uh, Carl. I, I will mention that there is some fraudulent five and one teams. You're not the most fraudulent five and one team that would go to the New York Giants who, who are, I mean, it's been a fun team to watch, but, um, they're, they're going to, they're going to lose some games quite easily, I think. Josh, thank you very much for your time, mate. Appreciate it. 
Cheers, guys. Josh White here on Sports Day. Thanks to Barbecues Galore. Go to iconwin.com.au to win a Ziggy by Ziggler and Brown barbecue this summer. That is iconwin.com.au. We'll clear a commitment. Get into motorsport next with Michael Laminato, our Formula One journalist. He's just been on the scene. We'll have a chat to him next. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company and let's get into motorsport and it's fantastic to have Michael Laminato back on your radio. Formula One journalist, he knows his stuff. Michael, welcome. How are you, mate? I'm good. Good to be back. Now, what do you make of uh, the McLaren boss uh, calling Red Bull a cheat? Well, I mean, he's not wrong by the definition of the word. Red Bull has been found to have broken the rules. That normally is the definition of cheating. They've been found to have overspent the cost cap, which is a new rule for Formula One, or is brought in for last season. They've only just finished doing the accounts, which already gives you a hint as to how complicated this whole thing is, the fact that it's October by now. Uh, all we know, though, and this is the big question mark we're hoping for more information from the FIA about, is that they've broken it by up to 5%, which equates to around about 11 million Australian dollars. Now, when we're talking about a budget cap of $230 million, a lot of money to run a racing team, and that is Formula One, doesn't sound like that much, but actually the development budget of a team, so the money that goes into upgrading the car, is only somewhere between, let's say, around 10 and maybe $20 million. So if they've spent, let's say, the full 5%, that is maybe an extra 50% of development they've got over all of their rivals. That includes, of course, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton, who Max Verstappen beat by only eight points last year when the team broke the cap. So you can see why suddenly this is potentially quite a substantial controversy. But that's all the information we have at this time. Everyone's really emphasizing that the FIA has to be transparent because the stakes are potentially... Well, they're massive, aren't they? Michael, 11.5 million, if that's around the figure. What does that equate to in terms of speed of the car? Let's just say they did spend it on development of the vehicle. Is it is it an amount of time that could have potentially won the title for Max Verstappen? It absolutely is. Now, it's hard to put a, a tenth per second uh, uh, number on that because you never know what development's going to be spent towards. And also, not every development works out exactly the way you intend. Sometimes you'll spend a million bucks and it'll do nothing because you got your sums wrong. But we, we, when we're talking about the difference of eight points in the championship, particularly when we're talking about in the middle of last season when Red Bull was really able to bring upgrades at, at quite a pace to the point where even Mercedes sort of noted that they were really winning that upgrade game and Max won some races pretty comfortably in that middle part of the season before Mercedes was able to bring it back with what they described as really their one big upgrade for the year because of the cost cap. Then absolutely, you can make the case, and I've no doubt Mercedes is and will be making the case, that that amount of money, if it is anywhere in the million-dollar figure, could absolutely have influenced the title. Now, if the FIA gets back to us and says, well, they overspent by $2,000, well, yes, it is still breaking the rules, but... There isn't that much you can do with that kind of money. So it really does hinge on how much money the FIA funds they've, they've overspent by. Rumours are swirling around our, about our boy, Daniel Ricciardo. Zach Brown, head of McLaren, says that he had a chance to drive with Williams or Haas but chose not to. How do you read the situation in terms of Daniel and his career going forward? Is he going to take a reserve seat at one of the big um, teams or is he going to be lost to the sport after this year? The only thing we know for sure is that he won't be racing next year because he's admitted that now, and that's because he, he doesn't see himself at Haas or at Williams, which is essentially a career restart. These are the two lowest-ranked or among the two lowest-ranked teams on the grid, and 
don't really have too many great prospects in the future. That could turn things around next year, but that's the situation. And there has been an ongoing rumor that he could be signing up to Mercedes next year as a reserve driver. Now, they were just rumors, but in Singapore, he, so a couple of weeks ago, he really openly said if he wasn't racing at the back of the grid, which he's now said he isn't, then it is realistic for him to be looking at a reserve driver role, which is a pretty well, open admission that that is on the card. It would be pretty weird to see a driver of his experience and uh, you know, eight race wins and, and more than a decade in the sport to be fulfilling a role that is often filled by either junior drivers or drivers who have uh, moved into different categories and never really got a good crack at Formula One the way he did. But the logic would be that it would keep him sharp in the sport, it would keep him involved, keep his name in the business for potentially attractive seats opening up next year. And it, it is also, and this is potentially the, the somewhat pessimistic or, or disappointing way to think about it, but it is kind of like, uh, let's say, dipping your toe in the water of, of retirement, really. He doesn't want to give it up completely because the way he's speaking, as you've, you've heard, is that he's absolutely adamant he wants to be back in 2024, but realistically, there aren't that many more seats on the grid in 2024 than there were this year. So by keeping a reserve driver role, I mean, he doesn't have to give up on that, and he can really think hard over the next year about whether or not he wants to continue racing in Formula One, but obviously he'll be out of the sport and you may find that he's at peace with that. We don't know. We don't really know exactly what he's thinking at this point in time, but certainly it is on the cards by the way he's been talking. Hey, Michael, just uh, as we let you go, uh, Michael Schumacher's uh, nephew, David, broke his back in a scary crash at Hockenheim over the weekend in the DTM event. Uh, That must have been pretty nasty. Yeah, it was pretty terrifying when you see a crash like that. Luckily, I mean, when you read that headline, it sounds much more dire. But uh, as I understand it anyway, and I haven't read too much about his medical situation, is that he's not in, in quite as terrible a way as you would think uh, breaking his back. But, yeah, it was a terrifying crash, and it just does go to remind you that, well, A, that, of course, motorsport's dangerous, but the fact that you can you can get away with crashes as significant as those with well, not minor injuries, of course, but injuries which you can survive just is a testament to the safety of modern motorsport. Yeah, no doubt about that. Thank you very much for your time tonight, mate. We appreciate it. Uh, take care, and we'll have a chat to you again soon. Thanks, mate. Anytime. Good on you, Michael Laminato, Formula One journalist, joining us here on Sports Day. All thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage. Cars of the year. We'll clear the break, come back, have a chat to Johnny Slavich next. We'll tell you what happened on this day, and we'll update a little bit of sport. We Before we throw over the reins to Toddy Johnston, we'll take you through with the night shift. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, drive car of the year. Let's get into our chat for Green to Green with Barrett O'Day because the little things are everything with John Slavich, gun lawn bowler who joins us here on Sports Day, and he's back. And not only is he back here on this segment, but he's back on the bowling green as well. Johnny, welcome. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Uh, look, it's been pretty busy, especially over the past uh, couple of weeks of bowls, mate. And it's uh, with Premier League season coming up around the corner, very close, mate. It's good to uh, to get on the blower here and uh, speak a bit of bowls. You're back, Johnny. Where have you been? Mate, uh, went to Queensland, uh, had a crack in the Australian title. Preparation probably wasn't the best, but uh, we uh, managed to win a couple of games, and uh, the ladies actually did very well over there. They picked up a couple of gold medals in the fours and the triples, mate. So, look, enjoyable, enjoyed the trip, and uh, when you're not working and playing bowls, it's a good life. Uh, mate, what about the results of the Sterling Masters mixed pairs? Yeah, look, cracking tournaments played over two weekends at the Sterling Bowling Club, all indoor on a beautiful 10 rinker there. Nice blue synthetic um, green they've got. And it was uh, Muslim Park's Lisa, Lisa Featherby and Bill Bradsma who have combined to win this year's um, Masters Sterling Pair. So wonderful 
achievement by them. Look, the event was uh, well played through a lot, had a lot of state bowlers, and um, Bill and Lisa coming out on top uh, on the uh, Sunday afternoon, defeating um, Cody Packer and Caitlin Turl in the in the final. So congratulations to them two bowlers. So the state fours are coming up, mate. Do you want to give us a bit of a preview for the men's and the ladies? Yes, look, we've got um, Thursday's play being played at um, Hilton Park, Bassendine, Manning, Mount Lawley, Coburn and Safety Bay. You've got some great sides in there. Connor Biddle, probably one of the premier um, skippers in Western Australia in Section 1. Mitch Cranswick in Section 4. Stein Davies in Section 5. And Kyle McElroy in Section 6. So those teams there, they'll definitely have a run in probably all the way through to at least the semi-finals. And the ladies, Lara Mertz and Kathy Gobert in Section 1. It's going to be a cracker there. Val Cox, Patricia Boardman in Section 4. Another highlight there, Lee Pelletti and Helen Morse who will be playing in Section 5. So... Anyone gets onto the Bowls W website, looks up where these ladies and men are playing and go get, get some uh, top games being played over the weekend. All right. And what else is upcoming, mate? Man, we've got the Harvey Bowling Club Men's Split Fours. We play them on Friday, the November the 11th, $160 per team, and just get into the Harvey Bowling Club there. The Men's Masters Triples in Baston Dean, which will be commencing on the 20th and finals on the 27th there, which is $4,000 in prize money. Bowls WA are listed there to try and get the uh, invites in. And everyone's favourite event, the Open Divorce Pairs at the Eaton Bowling Club. Once again, on Sunday the 30th of October, 9.30 start. Big prize money there. So get on down and support the Eaton Bowling Club. Johnny, nice to have you back. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers, boys. Thanks very much. John Slavich, thanks to Barrandow Day's Green to Green. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Also, thanks to Barrandow Day because the little things are everything on this day, Will. On this day in 1860, first professional golf tournament was played in Scotland at Prestwick. Uh, live tournament, eat your heart out. And on this day in 1999, Mark Ocalupo on the Gold Coast was declared world surfing champion. So there you go. Just some of what's happened on this day. Good stuff, Will. Thanks to Baron O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Todd Johnston is going to be on your radio next with the night shift. Does a fantastic job. He'll take you right through until midnight here on 882 6PR. Uh, just uh, looking back on what's unfolded tonight, uh, the UAE all out for 73, sadly. So their World Cup aspirations, T20 World Cup aspirations are over. They took on Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka posted 8 for 152, so they win by 79 runs. And earlier, it was the Netherlands who reigned supreme with a few balls to spare, five wickets in hand over the top of Namibia. Namibia won the toss, 6 for 121. The Netherlands, 5 for 122. Ross Lyon has had a second meeting with St Kilda, so that's two meetings in as many days as the panel zeroes in on the experienced coach. Be really intrigued as to how quickly or not they announce Ross Lyon as the coach of St Kilda. The Saints delisted Jared Leanett today, the 28-year-old. He was the final list change for the season for them. Alec Waterman was delisted, a little bit to his surprise, I'm sure. I'm hopeful that he will get another opportunity. Jack Madgen and Caleb Poulter were delisted from the Collingwood Football Club as well today. Pat Cummins, he will lead the Australian one international team. Steve Smith is out of the World Cup 11. Tim David looks like that he is in favour. And WA, after posting 466, we'll see the Victorians resume tomorrow at 1 for 124. Marcus Harris, another West Aussie, is not out 67. Thank you very, very much for your company tonight here on Sports Day. And we will see you again tomorrow from 6. But next, it's the news here on 6PR. 
It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.